0: Hi, everyone. My name is Harrison Zyberg, and this is A Moment in History, our 33rd interview. Um, this is WCCS podcast, and if my guests would like to introduce themselves.
1: Hi, I'm Eva Danielson. Um, I'm a junior in Harrison's class at Wheaton College. Excited for this interview. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so for a first question, obviously, I think the year 2020 will be one that's remembered for a long time. That's pretty much the whole reason that this interview series is a thing. (laughs) Um, What do you think you'll always
1: remember about this year? Ooh, honestly, I think I'll remember... (sighs) Well, because I know, like, the thing that... I know a lot of people will think it's, like, the pandemic, but I feel like it's more of the social justice movements that are going on right now both, like, surrounding the pandemic and, like, understanding, I feel like a lot of people before couldn't really see how, like, public health, like, racism is a public health crisis, and how it's so many people in different identities are connected, but I feel like now that there is a pandemic, like, people can see it so much more clearly, like, how people who are wealthier, like, can just easily just, like, stay in their homes and stuff like that and not go to work, and, like, other people can't, and I feel like that's what I'll remember the most like being able to have like a very concrete example and people just opening their eyes i love seeing people open their eyes to the truth harrison oh you don't have to
0: you don't have to name like a specific person but have you seen uh people starting to become more self-aware have you like either people you've known or
1: yeah actually my grandparents so some of my grandparents a little bit rough some of my family but my mom's parents live in my house with me and, like, when the Black Lives, Black Lives Matter protest started happening, my grandmother, she's always been, like, good about, like, trying to, like, learn new things. Like, she's never really been a stuck person, but still, like, she has her limits. But she started, like, reading more. She even walked into my house, and she was like, Eva, like, have you heard about Christopher Columbus? Like, oh, my God. And I was like, yeah, Mimi, like, I have. Like, isn't it crazy? And so she's been doing a lot. And just seeing that has been, like, so great for me because so many, like, people in their generation are kind of like, Screw this, like I don't care. Like some of my other family members, but they're really like open and like they want to support. But yeah, it was so cute. I love seeing that.
0: Now I assume so I'm a history major and I'm very interested in um, thinking about what people will write about this year, or like what documentary filmmakers will capture of this year, or I'm um, like, give people set novels, like what are they gonna focus on? So you said what well, you're gonna remember, but what do you what issues or moments do you think like historians are going to focus on when they think
1: about this year? Damn, I think they'll focus on, well, if we're thinking like, I'm kind of thinking of the United States perspective. So I guess like the presidential election, because that's spicy as heck. And there's a lot of other like smaller state elections that are also really spiced right now. I'm not sure. I'm sure it would have to be a niche person that would make a documentary for that one since there's so many other bigger things going on. But I'm sure it would happen. The pandemic, obviously, and how it affects people and then the Black Lives Matter movement, and then the legislation that's going through with all of that. I think right now, actually, it's kind of weird how um, a lot of, like, the green and environmental stuff is kind of being pushed aside, just because it has to be. Even, like, at school, they have the... Um, we're doing all the takeout food, but it's, like, all of this trash. It's crazy. It's, like, awful, but it's, like, no one's even thinking about it because it's, like, first priority is for everyone not to die. So, mm. kind of strange. But, yeah, that's i, what mean- I think.
0: I guess I'm interested in the question of like forgotten issues. Do you think that it's right that we're sort of, we've pushed some issues aside that are really pressing to I don't deal know. with more immediate? Because uh, I mean,
1: the world is just fucked, right? So you think everyone's kind of like immediate short term. I guess you do have to focus on the short term when the short term can like kill the long term. You know what I mean? I guess it's kind of like an economics thing. They say like, oh, like the short term benefits. So everyone's focusing on that. And part of me is, like, well, that's stupid because, like, you know, the long term still matters. But if, like, so many people are affected by the short term or, like, literally die from the short term, then what does the long term matter? So I understand it, but at the same time, I'm, like, I wish we could find new ways to kind of social distance or, like, have, like, the less contact of, like, the food delivery, stuff like that, that is more environmentally friendly. But, of course, there's a time limit. You can only come up with so many ideas when you're wicked stressed, though. But I definitely think that's being forgotten,
0: rest in peace. Now, I've, when I've, I've started these interviews doing them back in June. And there's <laughs> been a lot of events that have happened since then, like a lot of news stories. Yeah. But they almost never came up when I did interviews. And I realized that's because I just didn't ask and the questions I was asking. So in just it's August 22nd now. In the last roughly two-week time frame, what do you think the biggest news story has been?
1: Biggest news story? Oh, I don't know. I feel like for me, I've been focusing most on um, the presidential election because of the pandemic and how literally everything's going wrong. But hello. I did. Sorry, saw some, I'm outside. <laughs> um, I did also I was reading lately about there's wildfires again in California, which nobody can really talk about right now because there's other things to focus on. And that's kind of what I've been noticing the most just because. With um, like the mail, the elections are in what a week from now, September 1st is the primaries. So I feel like I've been personally reading the most of that when I get my little New York Times thing in the email, I skipped like all that stuff. I'm like, I need to see what's going on. But yeah, because I feel like so many people have just been like, pandemic, it's over. and like Not really, but I've just been watching the numbers, but not really reading as much, I will say.
0: I guess what are your thoughts on all the elections happening, the presidential, but also down the ballot?
1: My thoughts are just fear, Harrison. (laughs) They're only fear. I'm so scared. I do feel like a lot of people are like, no, he won't be president again. But I think it's definitely a real possibility. And I'm just afraid to see what will happen just based on all these awful things that have happened since then. I don't know. I'm just scared. And obviously, you know, some people are like, well, I don't like the other option. I'm like, well, I think there's the worst of two evils. And it's clear to me which one is which, but I don't know. I just yeah, I'm just afraid. I'm afraid of everything. Really either option, I'm not really happy about, but obviously one is kind of going to ruin people's lives more.
0: So, can I ask like, can I ask why you're not really happy with? I'm going to assume Biden.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I'm just very progressive and like I appreciate some some of his stuff is progressive, but it's not enough. And he is kind of creepy. He has had weird like interactions with people and but I don't want to say, but everyone has, but we have a two-party system. I really only have two options that are viable until we change something. So it's like you have to kind of support him, but nobody wants to cause he's creepy and he isn't, he isn't progressive enough for me personally. Isn't really, no. Yeah.
0: Do you find it difficult to talk to someone of a different, um, political party or identity or even people who don't want to vote for Biden just because he isn't as progressive. He's not they wanted in the primaries.
1: Yeah, I feel like it is sometimes. I will. do get very frustrated, especially like you said, the people who don't want to vote for him, but they still are like probably on the, kind of like a similar page as me, but they're like, well, I'm just not going to vote. Like, I just feel like that's so selfish. Just because, like, you're saying, well, it doesn't really affect me directly. So, like, I'm just going to kind of make only the, like, the, not the philosophical, the moral one, but just, like, the thing where you're like, well, I didn't vote for him. Other people over if the worst of two evils wins. And I just feel like it's selfish because they're like, well, it doesn't really affect me. So I can, like, think about it in this really broad sense. Whereas other people, like, it will affect their daily lives. And I just don't really know how you can ignore that. So I get very frustrated with those people because sometimes that's just like the bottom line where it's like you can talk about all, you know, the details of what you're arguing mm-hmm. about. But it really comes down to like, do you want other people to have what they need or do you not really care? That's what I always feel like I get bottom line, like pissed mm-hmm. off about. And that's when I'll end my conversations.
0: So in a normal radio show, it would be live and then you do one hour mm-hmm. and then it's gone. I know you had a mm-hmm. radio show this uh, last semester, too. This is a podcast so it's going to be here for ever or if I don't take it down which I'm not going to. <laughs> is there a message you would like to send let's say assume you listen to in a few years if you listen to this again is there a message you would like to send yourself?
1: To myself? Oh gosh. Um probably <laughs> I would say like keep keep doing it. people don't care about people, it's very frustrating. I would say keep on keeping on because sometimes it makes you just want to give up because you're like, well, if they really don't care, like how can you convince them if you can't convince them with morality? But I think, you know, there's always a way and find it. That's what I would tell myself.
0: And if you could send a message to the historians we talked about earlier, would it be like the same type of message or something else?
1: Um, I would ask them to focus on the whole picture because obviously there's a lot of complexities right now. But I do think, like I was saying, like those forgotten issues like you're asking about, I would ask them to, you know, kind of have a comprehensive view of everything that's going on right now. Because you could, you can't really just focus on like one section, like, oh, just these movements, just this pandemic, because they're all like connected. So I would ask them to be holistic about their analyses.
0: We also see uh, in different moments that, I guess we see something called like generational moments, like moments that will be classified as having a large effect on the people around it, like World yeah. War II, uh, Watergate, 9-11. Do you think this year is serving as a generational moment for people our age?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's like, so I'm an RA. Yesterday, we had a training with the Counseling Center, and they were talking about how this is going to be a generational trauma. And like, that's an actual thing, like, with wars, people, like, they'll have certain, like, Trauma, but everyone collectively that's alive has it because you really can't avoid it. And I definitely think this is it, like, especially with the anxiety that people have just kind of produced within themselves, even if they don't usually struggle with that. Like, I think that's gonna stick with people, and like, this will be something that we are not gonna forget, especially because so many people, especially like in our generation too, have like plans. Like, this is kind of like the moving to the next step portion. Like, a lot of times, probably over a 10-year span, you're going to, like, make, like, several moves that are going to kind of decide the rest of your life almost. So I think especially for people in our generation, since a lot of their plans have been change what they end up doing with the rest of their lives. And I think that's kind of interesting to think about. But for sure, people will not forget 2020.
0: Has, Has this year affected at all either how you view what you study in school or what you want to do after school?
1: Absolutely, actually, because I study math, um, but I've been thinking about double majoring in economics because I like math for the problem solving stuff, but I've always found it to lack like a person type of thing. I've always wanted to work in like a people center field where I can just like help people in some way. I don't really care how. Like I really just enjoy working with others. But like this summer, I'm like, damn, like I got to do something worthwhile. Like this is crazy. So definitely I'm thinking more about like how I can use like the economics to kind of understand how the system is fucked um, and how to maybe fix it up a bit. And definitely like, I don't really have career goals. I never actually have, but except for when I was like three years old, I wanted to be a detective, but that's really it. So yeah. So I don't really have any plans, but I definitely think it's kind of narrowed the pathway for me in terms of like either working in education or for the government in some way, just because I feel like that's where you kind of have, you can like actually make like large amounts of change other than just a personal change. Not that personal change isn't important. It's vital, but I'm getting impatient, you know?
0: Uh, earlier you mentioned that what you'll remember is a lot of the uh, social justice aspects of mm-hmm. 2020. I was curious, why do you think uh, in 2020 was there the resurgence? Because, I guess we've seen a lot of like George Floyd is sort of shown as like the starting mm-hmm. off point, but there have been other videos of yeah. people being killed before. So why now?
1: I honestly feel like, so I, I feel like a lot of people who were kind of already interested in these movements, because like the Black Lives Matter movement started before that all happened, but it just gained power, like you said. I honestly feel like it's because a lot of people who weren't really on board, like the people who were kind of like, They don't really need to be interested, honestly, like white people. They were all stuck inside. So then they saw it. And then when someone was like, oh, like do this little thing on your phone, then they were like, okay, I will. And then it just kind of, I feel like it was like a snowball effect where they were like, oh, well, crap, this actually matters. Like they had more time to just read an article or just kind of like actually care more. And honestly, I feel like that's what kind of got the momentum at first. Like everyone was just stuck in their houses. Not everyone, but people who weren't really necessarily gung ho before. I feel like they got gung ho because they just happened to like have a little bit more time to understand what was actually going on.
0: And in your own hometown, did you see, um, there black lives matter protests or was like, what was the attitude towards the movement?
1: Yeah, there was, well, (laughs) my hometown has a a Facebook group and I did get into several altercations um, with other people because they're a little bit silly. And would just say silly things that I disagreed with. And I was like, hmm, interesting. Because these statistics just don't say that. And they're like, well, that's just wrong. So that would frustrate me. But we did actually have two um, Black Lives Matter um, protests. Well, not protests. They were more um, marches. They were more chill. They were very chill. Because my my t- small town, East Bridgewater Mass. Um, but one of them was very powerful. And the group that organized it actually made, like, kind of a long-standing group in our town to work to like advocate for stuff that's going on in our schools like my town literally my entire time throughout the public school system kindergarten to 12th grade I never no one in my town that worked there at the school was ever like not white like literally all the more white that was it so everyone was like well like that's kind of messy so now it's like They made this longstanding group to continue advocating like into the future. And it has a lot of people. So like there's a lot of college students. And then also it's like there's older people, which was nice to see. Like we gathered in the town common and a lot of people spoke. And someone from my class in high school was actually talking about like her experience in the school system. And I literally was brought to tears. Like it was just crazy. And I feel like that was really important for a lot of people in my town to like hear that and see that. Like these actual people saying like their experience here. Because a lot of them would be like, well, that doesn't happen here. But like these, like literally little kids went up and talked too. So it's like seeing that, I think was really important for them. And that was, yeah, that was awesome that that happened, honestly.
0: Yeah. So as you men- mentioned, you went to those um, events. Mm-hmm. They also, again, they obviously happened during a pandemic. Was there yeah. ever any fear for you going to these events?
1: Yeah, definitely. Especially because it was towards the beginning when, like, Massachusetts, specifically in our state, was, like, one of the worst states in the country. So, like, especially then, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is terrifying. But everyone there was kind of, like, everyone kind of had, like, a mutual agreement that, like, we were trying to, like, stay distance. Like, everyone was walking down the street. Like, we still all tried to stay far apart. So I really appreciated that. But even like my grandparents, like I was saying, had started reading and they're like, Oh, like we want to go, but like, we don't want to die. Cause like they are, they're older and like, they have health issues. So they were like, we don't really want to like be your other people, but they're like, maybe we'll hold a sign and like go from the street. And I actually did see like a lot of older people. There was this couple that lived on the street. We were walking down and they were like on their porch, just clapping. And I was like, Oh, that's so cute. But yeah. I definitely was nervous, but everyone was kind of on the same page about trying to, like, do it as safely as possible, which was nice. And it wasn't super big, which is not nice, but also it's a small town. I think the turnout was bigger than anyone expected, so that was exciting. So it was easier to do it than in a place where it's, like, more condensed, more people. It wasn't really a challenge, I don't think.
0: Was how COVID treated in your hometown – Did that, like, was that pretty consistent that people follow the guidelines put in place or did it become more of a contentious and, like, like political issue for some reason?
1: Yeah, it definitely did, which is so frustrating to me. Um, I definitely think the majority of people were kind of, they, like, valued kind of guidelines that would keep people social distance. But, for example, I was working at our, like, town ice cream candy store and people would get so frustrated because we weren't having them come into the store to buy chocolates or candy it could only come up to the window because social distancing and they were like like don't understand why they're like isn't it over i'm like no and some of them like wouldn't wear masks and then some people would call like oh there's someone not wearing a mask and we were like yeah we're not allowed to ask them to leave because they just say they have a medical condition and like we know that they're lying because you can see it on their face but like i'm not allowed to be like screw you no you don't so it's like frustrating but a lot of people it was very much like polarized like the majority of people definitely valued them, but then some people were like, screw this. Like, I literally don't believe you. I don't care. It was just frustrating, I think.
0: And what was it like to, I know you said a little bit about this, uh, in your last answer, but what was it like to have to go to work while during a very, like during a time where a lot of people didn't go to work? And I would assume it is scary to have to go out into public.
1: Yeah, it was weird. Like, So I worked only part-time there because I was supposed to be working at Wheaton over the summer, but obviously campus was closed. So they hired me virtually, but I could only work part-time virtually for them. So then I also worked part-time at my old job. Um, and it was strange at first when we first started, I kind of messaged them and I was like, yo, I don't really want to be working right now. Like I don't really want to leave my house yet, but eventually as things kind of progressed and I was like, Oh, I need money. I was like, okay, I'll come back, but just a few times, a few shifts a week. But, um, it was strange at first, especially because a lot of my coworkers didn't really care and they didn't want to wear like the masks or anything, which partially I understood because it's impossible for us to social distance in the space that like the business, the way the business is set up, like we're not able to do that. So like they were like, well, like screw this because if one of us has it, like we're all going to get it. And I was like, okay, that is correct. But I was still like, we might as well try though. Like, what's the problem? So. It was very strange. At first, I was definitely more scared, but once I got used to it, I was almost just, like, numb to it. I was like, whatever, like, let's go. Work, work, work. Love it. Yeah.
0: Do you have, um, in the months of COVID and quarantine, which have been very stressful for a lot of people, um, but really for everyone, Yeah. do you have a moment where you look at it like, oh, that was, like, the positive highlight?
1: Positive highlight of being, like... Stuck in our houses, or just of like,
0: it's like something like good. Like of a, can, personal
1: a, per, yeah, a
0: personal experience. A yeah, personal experience for you doesn't have
1: to be. Oh yeah, definitely. I think I had a lot more time for self reflection, which was good. Also, I tend to um overextend myself, so that was kind of forcibly removed from me, <laughs> which I think was good because I wouldn't have done it myself anyways. But it definitely was necessary, and it kind of. It gave me some clarity about the way I spend my time and how I kinda need to chill because, you know, there's nothing wrong with just taking a break. And I think I learned that. It was kind of nice actually. That was definitely a positive highlight.
0: Now I'll ask you my favorite question and that is Okay. When do you or when do you think you'll feel comfortable just shaking a stranger's hand again?
1: Ah oh my gosh. When you said that I was like, ooh. Literally, I met one of my residents yesterday. I was like, she was like standing, like, you know, when you're like about to meet someone, you like feel like you're about to shake their hand. And I was like, ah, like, I'm going to go. Like, peace out. Um, I don't know. A stranger? Because I'm thinking, let's say this pandemic is actually like, we should be social distancing. Probably people are saying, you know, the end of the year, but I'm feeling like the beginning of next year. And then I'm just going to be like afraid of humans for a while. Any stranger? Probably mm, 2022? When I graduate college, I will shake Dhanal's hand, and I will be the first one. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's mm-hmm. it for me. But I feel like it will sketch me out. Whenever I see, start doing it, I'll probably have to Germex. Ooh,
0: mm-hmm. I had to shake someone's hand a while I never ago. I definitely, about that. it definitely freaked me out. Oh, I to, really? Yeah, it was a doctor, oh, so it was like, I was like, I would have flipped out. I, I you like, probably eh, you're
1: probably clean.
0: <laughs> I probably hand sanitized like five it's times so in between oh when I left God. his office to the car. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that would have stressed me out. Yeah, I can't even think about, like, touching, especially a stranger. Because hmm. my friends, I feel like, is one thing, because you're like, well, here we are. But, mm, mm.
0: So, Definitely. right now you're back on campus, but to think to the yes. very, to move back to the, I guess, to the very beginning, do you remember the first moment you were told we're going online?
1: I think so, because I was actually, so it was during spring break, right? But the weekend before then, so right when classes ended for spring break, I was actually driving to Maine to go to a conference with the Residence Hall Association. So I think it was like five or six of us. And then, like, it wasn't really, like, no one was really worried about it, but it was just beginning. So, like, in the middle of the conference, it was only like two or three days long. But, like, the second day, they just started putting out these giant bottles of hand sanitizer, and we're all like, okay, like, hand, Sandy, let's go, but it was just, like, strange, and then when we were driving back, we were, like, whoa, like, this is getting pretty sketchy, and then I think it was, like, two days later, I actually had just decided I was going to be visiting my friend in New York City over spring break, and then I was, like, you know, this seems a little bit weird, like, I think maybe I just won't come, she was, like, are you sure, and I was, like, yeah, I don't know, like, it just seems sketchy to me, then, like, two days later, I think I was just sitting in my house, like, in my bedroom, and then they were, like, oh, like, soon you're not coming back, and I was, like, oh damn it's like that kind of sucks and then it probably took me honestly mm-hmm. a week until I like fully realized what that meant <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. yeah what were like what were the emotions that you had surrounding that
1: oh well at first I was just like sad I was like oh this sucks and then I was like well because I felt like it wasn't pointless but at first like all of my friends schools were not doing the same like Wheaton was very proactive about like they were like we know we're gonna do this eventually so we're gonna tell you now but like a lot of my friends schools they were like oh, we're just going to do it for a week. So I was like, how come we're hosting for the whole semester? And then I was, like, mad. But then I was like, oh, wait. And I was, like, proud of you. And I was like, good job, guys. Like, you did the right thing. Sorry, I was mad at you. It was an accident. But, yeah, I don't know. I was just a focused person. So doing classes in my house with many dogs and other humans was not the vibe. So I was stressed out during that time. But, yeah.
0: Could you, um, could you just like pick a specific class and tell us how that transitioned for you?
1: Ooh, specific class. Um, I know one class I had a problem with was intro to data science because it was just very terrible. Um, <laughs> it's like our professor never, ooh, dropped my phone. He never really had a syllabus in general. So then we went online. I just never knew what was going on because he would send us like three emails a day all wicked long and i was like sir like i don't know what you're talking about and i kind of honestly checked out of that class whereas like some of my professors are older i have marge werner she's like that that really old person in the education department and she was like guys i don't know how to use zoom and i'm not going to try like here are my lecture notes you can read them and then answer these questions and that's all we did for the whole semester so i feel like every single class was so different it really depended on the professor but yeah that was just it was a weird time
0: and before before COVID hit um, our area of the United States, were you aware of it? Were you like seeing it in the news and were like nervous or did it come very suddenly for you? Was it sort of out of the blue?
1: I think I was seeing it in the news, but I hadn't really thought of it as a threat to hear until probably like a week before spring break. And then I was like, woo. Cause they were like, oh, some people here have it. And then I was like, oh really? And then I started like, At my work, I started just like aggressively sanitizing doorknobs. I was like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I was like, I'm not feeling too good. The anxiety started. But like, I didn't like fully understand what an impact it would have. Even then, like my anxiety did not match the actual experience that occurred. But yeah, before then, when I first started reading about it, when it was just um, in like its original location and everything, I was like, oh, like that sucks. It sounds like they've got it under control, though. Like they're stopping it. So I'm not really worried. But then I was like, oh, fuck, like it's coming were Yeah. Did, did you
0: ever think it was going to hit the, the magnitude of what it has become?
1: Absolutely not. I was not expecting, I've never liked the president or the administration or most of the government officials. I've never really liked them super much. But I was thinking, you know, we would be a bit better than this. I don't know. I was thinking people wouldn't think that wearing a mask to protect others in like infringes on their freedom because it doesn't. And it's just crazy to me like that. I was not expecting this to happen like in these proportions in the United States at all, at all. That was just so surprising to me. Cause sometimes it's like, you know, that people disagree with you, but you're like, bottom line, like we all just want to stay alive. Right. But no, they just want to have their businesses open. So.
0: Now when I think people will always know um, what, the president did during these last few months and they'll know what different celebrities and uh, politicians did but they Mm. won't they'll probably not know what college students did just normal college students so what, what did a typical day for you look like during quarantine
1: typical day um well I definitely was a bit less um enthusiastic than normal being in my house so I would sleep in, usually get up very early, but I slept in during this time doing school from home, and then I would log on to my computer, and usually I would try to talk with some of my friends on my computer, even if it was just about like our assignments online, then I will go sometimes to one of my Zoom classes, but sometimes I didn't have any, and I would try to just do my work, but honestly, most of the time, I could not finish it, because I just couldn't, like in my bedroom, I was like, I can't, I can't focus, I can't do this, and then I would usually just end up spending time with my dogs or going in my backyard. And I did a lot of projects in my backyard. I built a pond. I rearranged all the furniture. I cleaned everything because I was like, I cannot do school, but I'm so bored and I need to do something. But yeah, that was pretty much it for me.
0: And then, so again, you're back on campus right now. You're also an mm-hmm. RA. Yes. One, what is it, I just in general, what is it like to be back on campus?
1: It's very strange, Harrison. It's very strange. I um a lot of people aren't following the rules at all. Which is frustrating me because I understand like of course everyone will take their liberties with social distancing, but like some people literally like won't wear a mask and when you ask them to. They're like, ugh, mostly the parents actually, not usually it's not the students, but during move in, people are only supposed to have like one family member help them move in and then people will like bring up like two and then you'll be like, Oh, actually only supposed to have one person per student and they're like oh, shit, blah, blah, blah. and then like even Liz Eaton she went like a parent the other day was about to walk into like a group of kids and they didn't have no mask in sight so she was like oh do you have a mask and the lady was like like glaring at her I was like you came into our campus like follow the rules And it's just frustrating but there's actually there's some tea about the RAs and like whether or not we should be reporting everything because like obviously our job is like community building and then like keeping the campus safe So right now that's obviously strange because we have to socially distance from a resident, so it's harder to, like, get to know them. And then at the same time, like, the dean of students wants us to kind of report every single person we see that doesn't wear a mask, like, literally go up to them and be like, what's your name? Like, I'm writing you down in this form. And I'm like, I don't want to do that because you could just as easily be like, hey, like, just so you know, like, someone's going to be walking around reporting people or, like, it's actually really important that you wear this mask, like, studies show it's actually really effective and we're all living on this campus and like school's gonna close down if you don't do this because if you have that conversation they probably will understand if you just have it once like with person to person instead of just them reading a paper like it would be useful but then they want us to just start reporting like these first years who just moved into college right off the bat and I was like oh I don't know if I want to do that and while I understand it's important to see if people have patterns it's like scary so I don't know it's very strange. I still am uncertain on what the expectations are for us, honestly.
0: Do you, do you think, let's say, uh, everything stays safe and you get it to October and it's been yeah. safe for a month. Do you think people will continue to follow the same guidelines as before? Or do you think as we move on, people will start to get more lax in what they do?
1: I feel like people will start to get more lax. But I feel like as soon as that happens, like they're posting our like test results online so I feel like as soon as things start to get lax like it'll go up by a couple numbers like we've been zero so far so I feel like any change like people will get afraid of it just because we have a small campus like if someone has it like you might come into contact with them and then I feel like people will be less lax but even as of now September 8th is when we can go into other residence halls right now we can't go into other residence halls there's no in-person events even if they're at a social distance none of them are allowed So September 8th is supposed to be that date, even though it's probably going to get pushed back. So I'm concerned that once they hit that date, people will be like, oh, like rules don't matter anymore. But it's like, no, they still do matter. It's just that they're a little bit different. Um, So I'm just scared for that. But I feel like, I don't know. I feel like if things do get lax once it goes wrong, hopefully people will understand it. Since we're all college students, generally Hmm. logical at times.
0: Would you... I know we all, we all hope that the campus doesn't close again, but do you think that it will close again?
1: I think it's definitely a strong possibility. Honestly, I'm waiting to see next week, like, how many people are, like, really following the rules to a T and how many people are trying to, like, cut corners or just blatantly not follow them. And then I feel like I'll have a better understanding of whether or not we'll close. Because I definitely think it's a possibility. Because also, like, the state of Massachusetts could say, oh, just kidding, like, you can't open. And that would be completely out of, like, the school's power anyways. But, yeah, I think it all depends on the next couple of weeks. Because I think if people follow those specific rules for the next couple of weeks, you can kind of create a little safety bubble.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it all depends.
0: And so we even gave I was, uh, every student the option to either commute or go mm-hmm. remote or come back to campus. Now, you've chosen not only to come back to campus, but to come to it in a leadership role over other students as an RA.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, what was your decision-making process in deciding to live back on campus?
1: Um, well, I personally just, my family is a very overwhelming bunch and I could not just be in that environment anymore. So even if, um, I was actually trying to figure out a way to live somewhere else, even if we couldn't come back to campus, but since we could come back to campus, it seemed like the best option for me slash most affordable because I have no money. Um, and then the RA thing, like the leadership role, um, I actually was considering not doing it just because I felt like they were going to have us be like Corona cops and like, I'm not really interested in that. Like I like to do it more for the community building, but then I'm a RA on like a floor primarily first years in Meadows. So I was honestly about to like, be like, oh, I don't really want to be an RA anymore. But then I was thinking about them and I was like, if first years actually come, like, I don't know how they're going to make friends. Like I'm so scared for them. So I was like, okay, no, I'll be an RA just because I'm just concerned about that. But now I'm already starting, I'm not regretting it, but I'm already like, mm, you were right about the corona thing. So yeah,
0: I'm just worried about that. I see. So what are some, you said this a little bit before, but what are some added stressors or responsibilities you have now as an RA?
1: Yeah, so they keep trying to say that like our role is the same, which it technically is because we're supposed to enforce college policies to maintain a safe community. And now that just means something a little bit different because there's kind of a larger threat to the community that hasn't existed before but it's it's frustrating I think because of our kind of lack of clarity on the expectations specifically with the COVID regulations but other than that like we definitely have to be more creative than we have in the past because we're still supposed to be doing four programs but we can't really have like a game night or anything because we're not gathering in groups together So we have to do them all virtually, which I don't think some of the residents will like, or we can do like social distance programs, but we're supposed to like do them at separate times. Like I'm going to do one where I give my residents like a baggie of chalk that they can go pick up from like our common space and then on their own time, like go out and do sidewalk chalk or something. So it's strange, I think, because we definitely are having to like think of new ideas, whereas a lot of times. Like you could kind of like slap, like I've never personally slacked off. I like doing fun programs, but like some RAs can, they just be like, oh, we're having pizza. Oh, we're going to watch a movie. Just come sit in the common room. You can't really do that anymore. So it's kind of like you're forced to be creative and like actually make really meaningful programs, which is both good and bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're close to the end of the interview, but this next question would mostly, it works better for people from different schools. Mm-hmm. Um, but why did you, why did you agree to be interviewed?
1: um because I like Harrison he's very nice um I think this idea is a really good one just because we definitely document our personal lives but like maybe not our reflections on them I don't know if that makes sense but like like I definitely use like Snapchat stuff like that a lot like I'm very dedicated to it but I think it's nice how you're having people kind of really think about the whole picture, not just like their little daily thoughts. Um, and I honestly enjoyed this. I like chatting. Very fun. <laughs> and no, I just like the projects you do. So I was ready to support.
0: Thank you. Also, I've re- thought this for a while is that we know stuff about the past because we found like letters or journals that yeah. people kept. Mm-hmm. And people don't do that as much anymore. It's more like text messages and things Mm -hmm. that you can't find in an attic and just be like oh this tells me about this person's life yeah (laughs) so it's i was like oh i should try to like interview people and this will act as at least us
1: like that a
0: small journal and a little bit a little way
1: a little journal i was actually talking with someone about that the other day this is a random thought Mm -hmm. but like i was thinking oh how like some people like they like the aesthetic of like vintage polaroid pictures or like certain filters and i'm like oh, well, like, our children, like, using, like, Snapchat fonts to write stuff over their pictures and think that it looks cool. And I was like, that's totally going to happen. That's so weird and stupid to me, and I kind of love it a lot.
0: There's another weird thought that my uncle told us is that people now, like, our age will listen to music that was made in the 70s, but no one in the 70s was listen- listening to music that was made in the 20s. Right.
1: That's so weird.
0: It's, like, it's, it's weird like, to strange. think of. strange.
1: When do you think that change happened, where people were like, "All right, we can vibe with the past now," but like, that's it.
0: For oh. music, probably when it started getting good.
1: <laughs> Damn, he's or, so like, With
0: like rock and roll. We started getting more Chicago. personal.
1: You know, yeah. people could relate more. That makes yeah. sense. I like that. That's funny. When it yeah. started getting good.
0: Like, not many people listen to like doo-wop anymore. That's like
1: no. I mean for it's best. fun every once in a while. <laughs> so,
0: then, uh, to move on, so. That's like giving everyone the opportunity. Is there anything else we haven't spoken about that you would like to?
1: I don't think so. I'm curious about your remote experience, but I'm sure you've already talked about it on your podcast. <laughs> but what made you make that decision
0: to go remote?
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Actually, I haven't spoken about this. At least I don't think I have. Um, it came from. So it came from the day. So my grandmother. Mm-hmm. uh she, in a nursing home in Florida, and I got in her nursing home, and then she had to, she ended up getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, she's out of the she's out of the hospital now. Mm-hmm. But I realized that, like, oh, if I go back, I'm not like I know I put myself at risk, but I'm also putting the um, the staff at risk. Like, I'm putting yeah. the cleaning people and yeah. the food people who are probably more at risk than college students because they tend to be older and they're going yeah. in and out. So for me it was. I basically thought I could probably somehow forgive myself if I got it and gave it to someone, I like another student.
1: Yeah, someone that the same age as you.
0: And that, that was an accepted risk we all took. I don't think I could forgive myself if I gave it to someone, like a cleaning person, and then yeah. they gave it to their family. So that was why I chose to go yeah. out.
1: That also worries me because, like, they gave faculty the complete mm. option, like, of whether or not to come back. But the, like, the staff, really any of the staff, in all of the offices almost, they pretty much have to come back. And it's just mm-hmm. frustrating that they don't really have that choice. But then they gave like half of their employees the choice just mm-hmm. because I don't know, they're professors. But yeah, that makes sense. My great grandmother actually got it too. She's ninety three and now mm-hmm. she's just fine. I was like, How did this happen? It was really mm-hmm. weird. That was actually yeah, that was something crazy too. We went, um she's like ninety three, maybe ninety four. I can't remember really. Meme. And she's in a nursing home in the town next to mine. So we went and, like, we called, like, her phone and talked to her through a window because she was on the bottom floor. But, like, to be honest, like, we thought she was, like, going. Like, we thought she was going to die. And she thought it, too. Like, she was crying. I was, like, it was awful. It was a very, like, it was an intense experience. But then a week later, they're, like, oh, she's good. I was, like, what? But then, so that's nice. So I went to go talk to her a few times since then because um, they made, like, this whole little thing where you can, like, Go outside, sit very far away, but you can still talk to them, which is hard because they really can't hear sometimes, but it's still nice. Mm. But, yeah, that was that was crazy.
0: It's definitely – it's a hard time, and I think, I think as our generation moves past it, we'll be able to reflect and see this, like, oh, how it definitely yeah. touched everyone in some way.
1: Absolutely. I also feel like there'll be, a, like, a generational guilt for some people. Like, mm. just thinking about how I even have made certain choices towards – the beginning at first like like I was saying like I was angry at school for like deciding to close for the whole semester when everyone else was like oh just wait a couple weeks see what happens like now I'm like wow like that was an awful thing to think like we were actually making the right choice so like I'm wondering like years from now like once we see kind of the first word that comes to mind is bloodshed but I'm sure there's a better word that happens like from this period am I gonna look back and be like damn I should have done what Harrison did or am I gonna be like no like what you did was fine like I have no idea it's it's
0: for people with anxiety, it's definitely a not comforting thought to know that we have no idea what's, gonna and what's going to <laughs>
1: happen Very much so.
0: And especially for someone like me, like I didn't, so with high-risk people in my house, I didn't go to certain, I didn't go to protests because I was like, I just don't want to risk it. Yeah. And I'll probably ask myself for a while, like, oh, did I do enough during this time? And I think that's a question that a lot of people our age probably will ask themselves or should be asking themselves even now.
1: Yeah, I think that'll be a big therapy topic about 15 years from now. It's just the truth. (laughs)
0: It will definitely, this will show up in a lot of people's (laughs) therapy.
1: For sure. Forever. Oh, yeah. It's going to be weird. Or even, oh, like, I'm thinking about what I'm doing, thinking about whether or not I should be guilty for this. I'm calling my grandfather the other day because it was my birthday recently, and he's like, yeah, you know where I was when I turned 20? And I was like, vietnam he was like yep i was sitting in the jungle i was like oh my god i was like here we are talking about how this is a generational trauma i'm like he literally was like <laughs> like people were blowing up around him and i was like wow i was like that's perspective mm-hmm. i like can't even it's so hard to think about anything because there's just always like so many different perspectives oh it's just crazy 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 crazy
0: it's been that's something that i've learned from doing this like just interviewing you you're the 33rd person Mm-hmm. and I'm glad I'm doing this because it's getting a record down and other people can listen to it and get people's thoughts, but, like, 33 people are, that's a lot of different perspectives that yeah. have in my mind now, and you can definitely feel like, oh, it's, like, it can be, like, after this series, I'll take a break for a while because 33 yeah. perspectives is that's a lot. A bit,
1: that's a bit much. Have there been any commonalities that you feel like kind of ring true through all of them, or no?
0: There has been some um most people tend to agree that this is like a generational moment yeah not everyone has or i haven't asked that question to everyone um there is one there is one commonality throughout them all but i won't bring it up yet because okay. it goes okay. into the last few questions The last few okay, questions okay. so i don't want to, i don't want to tamper your answers that's at all fair.
1: that's fair okay i'll ask you at the end
0: then i was just say move on to the last two Um, which Mm. are the only ones that have stayed consistent, only question is stay consistent. What Mm. do you think the next steps are? That can be for you, family, school, just what do you think those next steps should be?
1: I feel like, mm, the next steps? Harrison. Oh my gosh. I think the next steps are fixing things because, like like we said, a lot of people have noticed... uh, kind of injustices that maybe they were blind to before. So I feel like the next step is fixing all of them. I don't know. That's what I feel like, or the next step after this pandemic is over quote unquote, is to, even though people have been doing it the whole time during it, is to really see like, what did we do wrong? Because with the way that the world is turning, especially with like environmental stuff, I wouldn't be surprised if something like this happened again. Um, And just to- I'm not sure I understand. My watch just talked to me. Oh my gosh, sorry. And just to um, figure out what we did wrong, because clearly there was quite a few things, but um, also the way the world worked together during it, and to maybe figure out how that could work better next time. Because I feel like we, uh, the United States, excuse me, as a country, was not on the same page as literally almost the entire rest of the world. And that was frightening to me because I was like, we're the bad ones. I, and then that's been true, that's rung true a lot of times, but at least we usually like, will be on the same page as people about like, whether or not, I don't know, our actions will affect our own citizens. But then we just had like complete disregard for that. So I feel like getting on the same page, figuring out how to ensure we're on the same page is important.
0: And I the last question, which I'm most interested in people's answers, is Are you mm-hmm. hopeful?
1: Am I hopeful? Yes. Like, seeing, I think, well, yes and no. I'm hopeful for some people. I'll say that. Because, like, seeing kind of the ignorance of some that is completely not going to change, that has bummed me out, I think, quite a bit. And I've encountered it quite a few times recently. But also seeing, like, people who have genuinely, like, opens their eyes having never done it before that's very powerful so like that makes me hopeful just for like the in-between people that like they can kind of understand um more about how their actions affects others but yeah so i guess i'm hopeful for the world in general but individually for people i don't know it depends my hope is very selective Mm -hmm.
0: To answer um, your previous question, the commonality I've seen through across 33 interviews now is that everyone has expressed some type of hope.
1: I love that.
0: Some have been very clear. It's like, I'm always hopeful. Of course I am. Some have yeah. been much more like conditions on it or yeah. in certain cases, but it's always, yeah. no one's ever been told it's like, no, that's, I'm completely like... So I,
1: heartwarming.
0: it yeah, it has been very... All those
1: different people. None of them are completely...
0: Mm-hmm. crushed it's very it's been very nice to see there have been some interviews where i've expected they'll be like no i'm not hopeful and even those interviews um will be like yeah i am I think things can get better which it's always been nice to see that
1: awesome wow it's very i think that will kind of make me very happy today <laughs> so nice
0: i'm glad but thank you for uh, sitting down with me and being interviewed of course
1: anytime
0: and once again, this was A Moment in History, uh, our 33rd interview. I am Harrison Zyberg, and this is WCCS Podcast. And for all those who will listen to this in the next few days when it's posted, thank you for listening. And for all the people who may listen to this in the future, I hope this tells you a little bit about what it was like to live during this time. And thank you for listening.